O thou eternal one, beyond time and space, everlasting from everlasting to everlasting, the one that exists, that said in the beginning, I am, that's my name, because only truly he exists and everything else exists in him. Thou hast created all things for thy glory, and especially man, and declare the holy word unto us, and we ask and pray that thou bless the same unto us as it is being proclaimed this morning hour. In Jesus' name we pray. like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Word of God as found in Romans, no, in Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23. <clears throat> and Paul Earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for seedest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? <clears throat> then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead I am called in question. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose, and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel had spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that there would, they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there were more than forty which had made this conspiracy. They came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now therefore, ye with the counsel signify to the chief captain 
that ye bring him down unto you tomorrow, as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him, and when we, or even he, come near, are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told to Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he had certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee, who had something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, What is that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council, as though they would inquire something of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there lie in wait for him of them more than forty men, which have bound themselves with an oath, that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain and let the young man depart and charged him, See thou, tell no man that thou hast showed me these things to me. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen threescore and ten, and spearmen two hundred at the third hour of the night. And provide them beasts that they may set Paul on, and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter after this manner, Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent government, Felix sendeth thee greetings. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood he was a Roman. When, he would have, when I would have known the cause whereof they accused him, I brought him forth into their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or bond. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Farewell. Then the soldiers, as it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. On the morrow they left the horsemen to go with him and returned to the castle who, when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was. And when he understood he was of Cilicia, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers also are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. I pray to Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for a beautiful day that was given to us and the opportunity with health and strength that we can gather together as the body of believers to share in the blessing of being together and to have thy word spoken to us and expound it, Lord, according to thy will. We pray, Father, as we have gathered, that our hearts may be attentive to it and our minds may be cleared from the clutter of life that distracts us in so many different ways. 
We pray that, Lord, we may look into thy word as it has been read to us. We pray that thou would strengthen thy servant, that he may be able to speak the things that we need to understand, that each of us who are here may be able to grasp and may be able to take something here that is applicable to our own lives and may be able to put it to good use. Father, we're thankful that we have this word and we recognize how important it is for us, how it illuminates our path, it gives us the direction that we need to go, and it helps to explain for us the things that are happening around us in this world. As the coming of thy Son nears, we need to be prepared for that, and we need to be diligent in the way we live our lives towards thee. So Lord, we pray that as as we are here, that thy word would also, and through thy spirit, show us these things in our own personal lives. <coughs> Father, we're mindful of those who were hind are hindered for health reasons or for other obligations and are not able to worship with us. We pray, Father, that we visit them and, and provide unto them the same blessing that we are partaking of this morning. We pray, Father, for the children in Sunday school who are being taught thy word. Again, it is an important part of our ministry, and we believe, Father, this is thy will, that the little hearts may be impressed with thy truth, and as they get older and as they are, reach that age, Father, where they're able to understand that they are accountable for the actions of their lives, that they may remember and recall the truth, and that they may verify not only in their own lives to show that it is true what is said about the sinful nature of man, but they may see, Lord, the benefits and the consequences in the lives of those who have been faithful and have chosen to believe. And we pray, Father, for thy word as it goes out in this world. We know, Lord, that it is not thy will that this truth that we share should be only restricted and limited to this fellowship, but it is thy desire, Father, that we would share it to the world and that the world would know that we are here, we are a light in this world, and that those that have a, a sickness in their soul that they would be attracted to this light and would come and would find comfort and truth here. We pray, Father, that I would use this congregation, each individual member, in, in a special way to, to be thy hands and feet and thy mouth, to be able to reach out and proclaim thy truth to this world. We ask thee now, Father, as we look to thy word and we ask in anticipation that thou would bless us according not only to our prayer but beyond beyond the weakness of our faith that thou would bless us this morning abundantly this we ask of thee in jesus name amen Marvelous are God's ways. The Bible says, past finding out. We cannot see the future. And that's why it's so important that we believe the word and are convinced and fully persuaded that what the Lord says will come to pass. In this chapter, a very critical portion of life the Apostle Paul didn't know what was ahead of him and as he stood in the council 
he was bold to testify. And he'd say that he lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And right away, you know, you and think back how the Apostle Paul persecuted the church. How could that be? According to his words, he did it in the best of his conscience. He was fully persuaded he was doing the right thing. And this tells us that we have to be very careful. You know, usually when, in the past, when difficulties did arise in congregations, some were so convinced of certain things, so fully persuaded that if you accept that they did it with full good conscience, and yet it turned out wrong. So conscience, the Bible tells us we should not go against our conscience. Because if you do something that is not according to your conscience, after searching ourselves really, we cannot say we have faith to do it. We cannot believe it. And the Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Conscience is very important. But the conscience of man can be wrong unless it is illuminated by the Spirit of God, by His Word of Truth. And that's why it's so important that we, whenever we have opportunity, come together under the Word, hear it being proclaimed, meditate it, and judge whether this according to the Scriptures and avail ourselves of the scriptures even in our private moments, again and again. Already Israel was told, men do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if we want to gain strength, even after we are converted, even after we are children of God, we need to avail ourselves of the word of God. And if you get into the habit of ignoring it, or just here and there avail ourselves of it, we are going to get weak. We're going to be sometimes so convinced of something that we think it's the truth. But the Word is going to illuminate it. And the Spirit of God is going to convict us whether it's truly so. Apostle Paul could say, yes, he did all this up to that point, living good conscience, including when he was persecuting the church. But he said he did it ignorantly. It was his conscience, but he was ignorant of the truth. But when the truth came, he obeyed it. And the, the moment that's recorded of his conversion, or his turning around, rather, on the way to Damascus, says, Paul, Paul, why dost thou persecute me? And he said, who art thou? He didn't know. He said, I am Jesus. From that point on, he said, I was not disobedient to that voice. And he experienced great things.
great things that we don't wish to experience because God chose him as a special vessel. He says, I'm going to show you how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Yes, in good conscience, and he stood in the council and they did smite him on when he said these things. And Paul reacted to it, and it would seem that he reacted rather quickly because he regretted it afterwards when he found out he was the high priest. And he does say, I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the rulers of thy people. And that convicts me. Because I do speak sometimes evil of the ruler of the people when they do something wrong, when they do something awful. But somehow God recognizes the rulers, whether they be good or bad. In this case, the high priest. But he was the ruler. And I had to think, why would it be so? Yes, we can point out things that are wrong, but we need to be careful how we speak about the ruler of our people, including here. Because one drawback is that it draws us into discussions which may be unprofitable. People are quick to agree with you, and the, and the discussion that ensues is really not profitable. It doesn't point to the truth really that they need to know. It's hard to turn around when there's a discussion about the leaders of the, of the people and emotions run high. So even there, we need to be careful. And I think back when there was open persecution in the old country and the brethren did walk carefully not to provoke the rulers, even if they were bad even if they're bad, because the repercussions would have been even greater for them. So it's not wise. The Bible says, Jesus in his own words, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So we need to be careful how we talk, how the idle works come. Yes, it commits me to Apostle Paul went through many sufferings, and in one, one of the epistles, he recounts some of them. Each one in particular would have been terrible if we had suffered it ourselves. But he was willing. He took a long-range view of life, as we all should. We are so often taking in what happens here and now and whether it's profitable to us, whether it's agreeable to us and dim the long-range view of things. When I think of the, in Hebrews when it speaks about the, the hall of heroes of faith, you know, this world has all kinds of halls of, uh, of fame. 
in sports, in other things, and recognition. So, but the Bible also has a hall of heroes of faith. And it speaks how their faith in God and trust delivered them from great adversities and even death. Delivered them. But then it also says, and that's the clincher, it says, but some did not get deliverance. But they were willing to die, being faithful to God, keeping faith, and willing to die. And the difference is because they looked at the reward beyond. There is a resurrection, and that makes a big difference. When you look at life, and as I, in my converted life, also looked at it, I saw the benefits of those that walked obediently to the truth, the relationships they had in a family, in friends, and avoiding many of the pitfalls that people so easily give in. Some of it is the greed for money, which brings a lot of hurt for lust. I saw the benefit, but to be willing to suffer for Christ's sake, and even to die for it, that takes faith, that takes conviction, that takes being fully persuaded. And if it was not so, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, in one of his epistles says, if in this life only we have hope, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable, all men most miserable. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. The extensionists, get the most out of this life, because tomorrow we die. But, and if you believe, as Apostle Paul did, that there is a resurrection, and that it makes a difference how you live here and now, then you will live differently now. <clears throat> the Pharisees, they believed the resurrections, but in so many ways, they too were wrong. Were wrong. And they were ones that gave the most trouble to Jesus Christ. They were the learned people, let alone the Sadducees, which you know, it, it is almost puzzling. How could the kindred of the priests, which were mostly Sadducees, be such that they didn't believe in the resurrection, didn't believe in angels, didn't believe in so many things which the Bible says. See, did they start to chip away? Did they start to, to interpret the Bible to suit them? And being blinded by the greed for money because history tells us they were wealthy, they had palaces. This Ananias, he had a palace. Now these things, they are recorded. And if you go to Jerusalem, they have a scale model of the Jerusalem of the time of the Second Temple. They call it time, not time of Jesus, they call it the time of the Second Temple, which was the time when Jesus was there. And you see some of this magnificent uh, structures there modeled and then the rest of the houses how cramped together they are oh they had also summer resorts 
very likely by the Sea of Galilee, which had a very, very benign climate. And yet, they were the priests. And that high priest. And yet God, at least Paul was convinced, he should not have said that to him. The only perfect example that we have, that we can go by, by whatever he did, by whatever he said, is Jesus. Is Jesus. And in his own words, he said, I always do the will of my Father. I always. And sometimes it was not easy. And the most difficult part was in the Garden of Gethsemane. But here are the words of the Lord. And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Here are the words. And anything that happened between this time and the time that he was actually in Rome, before Caesar testified as he did here. Anything is just God's way how he unfolds his plan <coughs> for Paul the individual. And so he does it also with us. What he promised for us is sure. And what happens, he just unfolds his plan in us. And the thing is, we gotta remain in God's plan. We gotta remain in God's plan. We have been created with a will. We have been created with a will to love or not to love. To respond to God or not to respond to God. To, to love him by being willing to obey even unto death or to blaspheme his holy name. Our will given to us. And what we do with it will decide whether we remain in God's plan or not. <coughs> These people were very determined and history tells us how zealous the Jews could be. History tells us that the place that we went to and mentions here Caesarea when Pilate came to the country, he wanted to erect some idols in the temple. And the Jews protested. They protested. They went up to Caesarea to meet him and said, our law forbids us. We, we can't do that. Can't allow that. And he had them surrounded by soldiers ready to kill him. He said, are you going to agree or not? Or are you going to be killed? And they willingly, history tells us, they bear their necks and were willing to die for it. They were very zealous. And here these 40, they were convinced they were doing the right thing. But they were ignorant. Ignorant. They were convinced and they were willing to die even in the process. Some would have died if in that attack.
when he was made certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Wow. I think in a way we can learn something from zeal. The Bible says zeal is good to be zealously affected but in the right way, in the truth, not in ignorance. How often would our actions, our willingness, be classified as lukewarm, lukewarm. And we know what God says about those that are lukewarm. <coughs> to the church allowed to say, I will spew you out. That's a temptation to us too, to get comfortable the deceitfulness of riches and other things creeping in become lukewarm and bring no fruit to the glory of God. And we can learn. Jesus Christ even held up those that said the children of this world are wiser than the children of light in their generation because they know how to look after those things which they consider important and willing to sacrifice for it and go for it. And often we expect an easy way, an easy way. If it's not comfortable, maybe there's another way. And that's how God then works. He just took that one word or one sentence by Paul to cause the Roman, change the Roman attitude. He said, when, he, when they were going to scourge him, you know, and, you know, that was a way that they used to get confessions. And how many of those confessions were perhaps just because of the pain that they suffered. But they consider it to be justice and a means to obtain justice. But the Romans made a difference when the Paul told them, is it lawful for you to scourge me, a Roman? That made a difference. And even the chief captain was afraid now. And he was willing to save Paul from that. It could have been easy for him to just let the Jews take care of Paul, take care of the trouble. But when he found out that it was a Roman, oh, how much effort did he put in. And you read here, 200 soldiers, was it? 200 soldiers, three score and ten horsemen, and spearmen, 200. A very important person all of a sudden. A very important person because he was a Roman. And that's how people are. Some people, they lift up so high, they worship path they walk on. Anything they do is being proclaimed. So often we hear that word nowadays, idol, idol. Somebody being called an idol. And it is idolatry. It is idolatry. And yet God regards the lowly. Even those little ones, even those little ones that believe in him, God regards. Consider the importance 
the value that God ascribes to those that become his children. In Romans 3, it says, if he gave his son for us all, while we are yet his enemies, how much more now being reconciled, we will do everything. His way, of course, not the way we think, the way he dealt with Paul, it was his way, God's way of dealing with it, of magnifying his name, of spreading the truth, of giving the opportunity to many, many to hear the word of God and witness it being lived. I've been saying it more often lately that the problem is not the world out there and the perversion that's going on and the hatred and the killing. The real problem is the lukewarm Christians and some don't even believe in the resurrection. When they make a survey of the so-called Christian country, the states, and we are right next to it, as to what people believe that call themselves Christians, still, it's surprising. Take out your statement of faith and look at it. Can you still fully be persuaded that this is the truth? that you have not moved away from it? If you just take the statement away and somebody comes along and asks him what you believe, you believe this, 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 you will find few that will say yes to everything. Yes to everything. But the truth must be believed, the truth must be loved. It's only the truth which sets us free. And anything we do, it must be built upon the truth, on the truth. Not on compassion, not on love. The truth first and foremost, and these other things must be built on it. And that's why it says also, love in truth. The Apostle Paul had to say that in his letter. Whom I love in the truth, for the truth's sake. Yes. This only is a portion of the things that the Apostle Paul had to experience. And we can read later on the shipwreck and, and in, 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 in Rome itself when it says he was in his own hired house testifying. And then at one point even wrote that even some of Caesar's household were converted by implying it. And they even of Caesar's household greet you. So even some of them, but it doesn't say of Caesar. It doesn't say of Caesar. Now these happen, these things are recorded, and history records some of those things, and so, and yet there are still people out there which want to wipe everything away and say this is just some emanation, this has been just put together, and so forth. How important it is to find out. An eternity will depend on it. And it's up to us to choose. It's up to us to choose, even if we don't know, even if we are not persuaded, like I was once. But is it important enough to find out? <coughs> and that's, I think, where most will be faulted, even those that call themselves Christians. I remember asking some people at work, Yo, do you read it? No. What? A pity. What a pity. 
He, the Lord works in marvelous ways, and it's with the past finding out. But whatever he says is truth, and we better believe it, depend on it, and act on it. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen.
Let's kneel in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the word that we've heard this morning, for its instruction to us, for the account that has been preserved for us in Holy Scripture, and for the lessons that we can learn from it for how to live today in this sophisticated, complicated time in which we live, full of information, full of technology, but perhaps full of confusion more than anything else. Dear Lord, help us to be steadfast, as the Apostle Paul was. Help us to fix our faith on Thee, to have a conscience that is informed by Thy truth, and to live for Thee, accepting deliverance if that, if that is Thy will for us, but also being willing to glorify Thy name through suffering, if that would also be Thy will. It is a difficult thing to pray to you, Lord, because we don't know what it means. We have it good in this country. We are unmolested by government or others. We are allowed to worship here freely. And yet we're ashamed when we look at the examples of lukewarmness in our own life, the times that we have chosen comfort rather than thee, when we have aligned our paths with the ways of the world and not with the path that leads above. Heavenly Father, help us to see this world through spiritual eyes, to fix our gaze on Thee and to realize that this world is only temporary. Wealth is fleeting, beauty is vanity, fame perishes. The stars of yesterday are forgotten today and the stars of today will be forgotten tomorrow. Heavenly Father, help us instead to cling to Thee to support and uplift our brothers and sisters, to draw others unto thee, to speak truth in love, and to do it until thou wilt return. Heavenly Father, we want to lift up in prayer unto thee those that are suffering uh, with cancer, with sicknesses, with difficulties, with depression, with so many ailments that this flesh is, is heir to. But Heavenly Father, Thou art the creator of all things, and Thou dost hold the keys to all things. And so we lift up our prayers and petitions unto Thee, knowing and trusting that Thou wilt do what is best. And that not only in Thy perfect wisdom, but in Thy perfect love, Thou wilt act in the way that is best for each one. Heavenly Father, we're sad today that we consider that Brother Andras will be departing from our fellowship we thank Thee that Thy will has brought him here, at least for a period of time. And we ask that Thou wouldst richly bless him as he would turn his ways now back to his mother country, that Thou would watch over him and keep him on the way and prosper him when he would return there. And as even as he has blessed us by his presence and his contributions here, that he would bless the fellowship that he would join himself to when he returns. Uh, dear Lord, we ask for thy continued blessing and presence to be with us throughout this day. And we pray these things all in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
161 verses. Two verses. how more and more it's important to come together. God wants us to come together. Jesus Christ wants us together. When he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, he wants them to be gathered. And he wants to be there. We have the freedom still to proclaim the word. We have the freedom to gather. We know of places in this world where they are persecuted at this time, where they're killed for the sake of Jesus Christ. And we have this privilege. Our temptation is in a different way. Our temptation is to get lukewarm. And when Revelation was written, we see the seven churches and how people interpret that sometimes, but it's for everyone to see what is my church. First of all, it is my church. I'm not just a visitor. Occasionally come when there is something going on. No. But I'm there when, I, when we gather together. 
I'm there when something needs to be done. I'm there when there is a members meeting, like we're going to have this afternoon. I've heard it said of somebody, oh, well, there's too much argue. I'm not coming. It's your church. It's your church. What? Which is your church when you look at Revelation? And then what do you do about it? What do you do about it? How often it's so easy when there is a problem, just say, well, I go somewhere else. No, no. We don't read that in Revelation. To none of the churches did God say, now you pick up and go somewhere else, you that still are true and faithful. No, no. We are planted in a body as it had pleased him. He set us in a body. And for that we must give account how we function. May the Lord bless his word. To him be the honor, glory, and more. Amen. This concludes our service.